Father God, we just want to say thank you for the opportunity to come once again and to be able to celebrate Christmas in this special time of year. God, thank you for the opportunity that we have to to worship you, to retell the story of your birth, and Lord, it just doesn't matter how many times we do it, it never gets old. It is that good of a story. 2,000 years later, of one of the most repetitive things that we do as human beings is to celebrate your birth. And Father, I pray that as we do this time of year, as we do the gifts, the meals, and we spend time with family, like Pastor Timmy said earlier, that we would take a moment to just pause at the feet of Christ, the one whom all this is for. God, I pray that you would just touch our hearts today, that you would remind us of who you are, of the amazing gift that you gave us by sending your one and only son and the incredible price he paid in his life for us. Guys, we come together and we worship. I pray that you would speak into our hearts in the next moments as we read your word. Lord, we pray for our brothers and sisters who aren't able to be here. And God, we just ask that you would touch them this morning. That your Holy Spirit would be with them just as you are with us right now. And God, that you would work and move. Jesus, we pray for our youth as they get ready to travel this week. We ask that you would protect them. And more importantly, we ask that you would speak into their lives. Lord, I pray that you would convict sin where it needs to be convicted. That, God, you would call them, the ones that you have chosen, to do the things that you have planned for them. Most importantly, we ask that you would just draw them close to you. Begin the process of raising them up to be men and women of God. And Lord, I pray that what we do as a church this morning would be pleasing and honoring to you. We love you. And we ask all this in Jesus' precious and holy name. And everyone said, amen. You may be seated. Well, it's great to see everybody this morning. I do want to wish you a Merry Christmas, and we are continuing on in our series of God orchestrating a holy night. And as we do this, and we celebrate, and you're getting ready for Christmas tomorrow, I think it's really uh, appropriate to talk about our part of the Christmas story today, which is one of people's most favorite part, and that's the story of the wise men. When you think about the Christmas story, one of the favorite roles that uh, young kids love to play are the wise men. They come, these kings, and you you read about the animals and the camels and, and bringing the gifts, and there's something truly special about that. You know, we we talk about the reason why we give gifts at Christmas, because Jesus is the greatest gift that we have ever received. But at the same time, you know, a lot of this is based off of the fact that the wise men brought gifts to Christ as he was, uh, as he was born. So we're talking about the preparation of the wise men today. And it's always been amazing 
to me as I was younger to think about these, these men. Uh, and it doesn't really say in Scripture, you know, there's a lot of holes in Scripture with information. It gives us enough of what we need to know. And then the rest of it is based off of faith of whether or not you're going to believe it. And there's a lot of informational holes as you read it. But it's always been fascinating <clears throat> that these men from this faraway land in the east just happened to be following the star and looking for this star and knew that Jesus was supposed to be born. It really is an amazing thing to think about how that happened. How did they know about it? So we're going to read the story of the visitors from the east in Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. Uh, this is the a, a funny thing about Scripture. You know, we read most of the Christmas story from Luke, and then we get the story of the wise men from the book of Matthew. So let's read chapter 2, verses 1 through 11 together, and we'll read about these wise men. It says that Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. And about that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, <clears throat> Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. Remember that, okay? They did not just come, they came to worship him. Verse 3, King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. And he called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, they said, <clears throat> for this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah, for a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people Israel." Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. Then he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child, and when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. <clears throat> After this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. And it went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chest and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So point number one I want to share with you today as we talk about the preparation of the wise men is that they were the only ones who were expecting the Messiah. <clears throat> when you read the Christmas story, basically everyone in Israel was wishing for and hoping for the Messiah. They were praying for the Messiah, but the wise men were the only ones who were really expecting him. I mean, if you sit back and you think about what it meant for them to be looking for a star to appear, and then it finally appearing... And if you read through the whole story and you, you, get the, you get the understanding that there's about two years that they had, been, they had first seen the star and they had been traveling and pursuing this star to find the king of the Jews. That they were the only ones who truly understood what was happening. And when they got there, they said, where is the king of the Jews? We have come to worship him. So they knew something that most of everyone else did not. Mary and Joseph visited by angels to communicate this message of what God was calling them to do. Zechariah received the message from the angel as he was uh, administering before the Lord in the temple. The shepherds visited by angels <clears throat> told them where to go, what to do, but no one was expecting this. No one, everyone was wishing for and hoping for the Messiah. 
But the wise men were the only ones who was truly expecting him and looking for him. And you think about this, think about the amount of time that they spent doing this. I mean, they had seen the star, had first appeared about two years before, and they had been following the star, and they were far from the east, and about how much time and how much money and the amount of traveling that it took for them to be following the star to look for this king. They were absolutely prepared, absolutely expecting the Messiah, and they were ready to come and worship him. And that speaks volumes of what they understood Jesus to be. You know, we went up to Kentucky this past weekend, and we went to visit the Ark and the Creation Museum. If you've never been, you need to go. It's pretty awesome. It's the first time I've ever been. Uh, great trip. So, uh, but even traveling six hours with three kids and trying to get ready to do that is quite an adventure. Making sure you got everything. And we forgot stuff. It was pretty annoying, but we forgot stuff. And then you're traveling the whole time, you're having to stop, you have to take potty breaks, and you know you're right in the middle of construction traffic, and one of them starts yelling, I gotta go to the bathroom, it's an emergency. It's like, why didn't you tell us an hour ago before it wasn't an emergency, so we could do this. But anyway, traveling is difficult, and you think about the time and commitment and everything that these wise men were putting into this, not only were they bringing these super expensive gifts, which we'll talk about in a minute, but even think about how much it costs for us to travel for fuel, for hotels, for places to stay, just to make sure everything's ready, the preparation, everything's there for you to be able to travel. And it's super expensive to be able to do that. And think about the potential of what it would cost you as an individual, much less your whole family or a group of people, to travel for up to two years and to spend all the money on food and clothing and supplies and then to bring these super expensive gifts and how... uh, how kind of scary that would have been to have been calling around such expensive gifts 2,000 years ago. And I, one of our church members here experienced what it's like to be traveling out of state and to get their stuff, get their car broken into and much stuff stolen from them here recently. It's a dangerous thing to travel. But they were committed. They were absolutely 100% into this and they were invested in it and they believed. And something I want to share with you today because I always wondered why. I always wondered how did these guys know? How did they know that they were supposed to be looking for the star, expecting the coming of the Messiah, and they just knew that they were supposed to follow the star and be there and be ready and waiting and to bring these gifts, and they would understand who Jesus was and the fact that he was deserving of their worship. Most scholars believe that these wise men actually come from the area of Babylon were about 500 years before Daniel and his other people had went into captivity. And so you think about, you read in Daniel chapter 2 where he interprets Nebuchadnezzar's dream and then very quickly Daniel as a young man is promoted to being the leader of the providence of Babylon along with being the chief administrator of all the wise men in Babylon. Right? Daniel 2. And so as he's promoted within these ranks, I want you to think about this. That 500 years down the road, there are people who just happen to come from the east who have been following the star that they had heard would appear as soon as the newborn king of the Jews would be born and then they have come to worship him. 
And what a coincidence that is. But one of the things that you figure out about God as you read Scripture and you you begin to research and you begin to follow God's track record, it's never a coincidence. It's never an accident. It was all planned. Everything about it is planned. Everything about it is worked out. And everything about it has been orchestrated by only the only one who could in the entire universe, and that is God, to move and work in between countries and nations and leaders and people, and to just so happen that 500 years later, we're going to have these wise men who just happen to show up <clears throat> at the right moment, at the right time, who've been following the star, and they bring everything that they need to come and to worship this newborn king of the Jews. You look at Daniel chapter 9, verse 25, Daniel prophesied about the coming of the Messiah. And as he was receiving this message, he wrote it down. It said, now listen and understand. Seven sets of seven plus 62 sets of seven will pass from the time the command is given to rebuild Jerusalem until a ruler, the anointed one, and in Hebrew, that's the Messiah, comes Jerusalem will be rebuilt with streets and strong defenses despite the perilous times. And so even as Daniel is reaching his old age, he's getting into his 80s towards the end of the book of Daniel, he's receiving messages from the Lord. He's receiving these timelines of what's going to happen until the Messiah is going to come. And thankfully, you have someone like Daniel who's continuing to be faithful. And and we talked about this a few months back. We did a whole series on Daniel. Where instead of him just being like, well, I've been in captivity my whole life. I'm just done with this. You know, the Lord doesn't love us anymore. We've been here. We've been suffering. Every time a king changes hand, everything goes to mess. We got to do this stuff all over again. No, Daniel remained faithful. He kept doing what God had laid on his heart. He kept relaying the messages of the Lord to the people. And he kept recording everything down that God was giving him. And he was teaching it to people. And this morning, I think it's really important for us to understand that we may be living in a time, we said this a couple weeks ago, that it seems very quiet these days, like there's not a whole lot of these powerful, amazing spiritual things that are happening around us. Like, yeah, there's people being saved. Yeah, churches are doing good and people are being baptized. But it just seems like everything's just kind of like ho-hum, we're just going along and everything's normal and the world's kind of falling apart on the outside and we're not sure of what's going to happen with our country and culture and all this stuff. And we kind of wonder, like, okay, God, where are you right now? Why are you not moving? Why are you not working? And what you have to remember is, is that God kind of has this track record of allowing time to pass. Where just, there just seems to be this quiet, this stillness that's going on. And thank God for people like Daniel, who's receiving the messages of the Lord. That God chose them. You're going to receive this message. Daniel didn't get to go back to Jerusalem when it was rebuilt. Daniel lived his entire life in Babylon and died there. He didn't get to experience Jerusalem. He didn't get to experience the coming of the Messiah. But thank God he didn't throw his hands up and say, I quit because I'm not getting to experience the good stuff. He embraces it and he teaches it and he passes it along from generation to generation. And 500 years later, there's some wise men who are ready and expecting and bringing the gifts. So point number two. I want to call your attention to the wise men brought gifts. This is the most favorite thing that children have about Christmas 
are gifts. It's the most exciting part, right? I hope it's not someone here. I can't remember who did it. Someone asked my kids the other day, are you ready to eat a lot of food for Christmas? And they looked at them like, well, what are you talking about? Like they, we have to tie them in the chair and beat them and take things from them to get them to eat food. But when it comes to presents, they are ready to receive. All right, they're ready to, they understand. And this year, like they are super excited about Christmas and what they're gonna get at Christmas time. And it is an amazing thing to think about how awesome gifts are, but even, I love to give gifts, but I like to give gifts for people who appreciate and understand like what it is that you're giving them, right? How many of you like to give a gift to somebody and they don't appreciate it? It's like, I don't do knickknack gifts. Like if you don't get a gift from me, it's not because I don't love you. I just don't do knickknack gifts. I want to give you something that's meaningful. And when you talk about like the meaning of this gift, when you think about these wise men bringing this gift, these super expensive gifts, gold, frankincense, myrrh, and how gold and frank, or the frankincense and myrrh were almost just as expensive as the gold during this time. Extremely rare, extremely hard to come by. And they were bringing these super expensive gifts to this little kid, potentially this baby, and he has no way of appreciating it or understanding what he's receiving. Can you imagine just giving gold to a kid to like a two-year-old or younger? What would they do with it? My youngest would eat it. My, my middle one would hide it, like go hide it and keep it. And then the oldest one would like throw it up against the wall or lose it or something. It's like they don't understand. But it's not about what Jesus understands at this moment as he's this young child, this potentially this baby. It's not about that. It's understanding that the wise men came understanding who Jesus was and what he was deserving of. And when you think about what it means to follow Christ, like we all say that we love Jesus and we all say that we want to follow him, we want to serve him, and we all want to go to heaven. But the truth of the matter is, is we really need to evaluate how we come before Jesus on a regular basis. These wise men packed up everything that they had probably and traveled for two years with these incredibly expensive gifts to present to a baby, not because the baby understood what they were giving to him, but because they understood what the baby was worth. They understood who Jesus was. And as people, we have to like come in this idea to understand that, man, we, get, we really have to understand what Jesus is worth, and he's worth everything, anything that we could give him. And we worry so much about giving physical things and you know, money and things like that, and people argue over stuff like that, but really Jesus wants you. He wants everything about you. And it's all about surrender. And when the wise men come bearing gifts, they were bringing everything fit for Jesus. So point number three, the wise men understood who Jesus was. When you talk about these gifts, <clears throat> yeah, they were super expensive. But when you think about what they mean, it's even more important. Because when you think about gold and how expensive gold is, and it's not something that we even give to one another because most of us have probably never actually held true gold. Like we've probably had some jewelry with some gold on it, but we've never held true gold before. Probably never will. 
But as they bring gold, the gold was the gift for a king. It represented royalty. They completely understood that Jesus was the king of the Jews. They understood that Jesus was going to be king over all things. You know, Scripture says that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Everything eventually will come under the rulership and the authority of Jesus Christ. And so the gold is meant for his royalty. And the frankincense, also interesting and unique, and it just so happens that frankincense was the incense used that was burned in the temple, and you can read about that in Leviticus chapter 2. But it was commonly used in the temple to burn before the altar of the Lord. And so they bring frankincense to show that they're acknowledging Jesus as God. So they understand that he's king. They understand that he's God. And you see that, that as they come, they said, we've come to worship the newborn king of the Jews. And then when they got there, they gave him the gifts. They brought something to give him, showing that they were, they were, sacri- they were humbling themselves, sacrificing before him. And then they bowed down and worshiped him. They were acknowledging his deity. And then the third gift, myrrh, is kind of the kicker. And I don't know how many of you would like to receive embalming fluid for a gift. It's kind of odd, right? But myrrh was commonly used to embalm during this time. And so the wise men come and they bring him gold because he's king. And they bring him frankincense because he's God. But they also bring him myrrh because they fully understand that yes, he is king. And yes, he is God. But he's here for a purpose. He's here for for a plan. And one day his life is going to end in death because he is going to save us all from our sins. These wise men knew something that no one else knew. They understood exactly who Jesus was. And you, you can read in the scripture and understand that like even Mary like sat and pondered on stuff. Like she was chosen to do this thing and she was so willing. And that speaks so much of her, her service and willingness and devotion to the Lord. But there were so many things that she didn't understand. But it's amazing everything that these wise men understood. They knew exactly who Jesus was. And point number four, preparation leads to affirmation. You know, one of the most disappointing things that people find out about the Christmas story is, is that as you begin to read and study, it's more than likely that the wise men did not come at Jesus' birth. Most scholars believe that he came maybe up to two years later when the star first appeared. Because Herod asked, how long have you been following the star? About, appeared about two years ago. Then Herod goes and kills all the boys, two years of age and younger, just to make sure he gets them all. But when you look at this moment, whether it was a few months or a year or two years, or whether it was right at Jesus' birth, I think it's really important to understand that in life, as people, we get lulled into sleeping. We get tired, we get relaxed, we get comfortable. That is our nature. We love to seek out comfort. And then when we have comfort, we love to just chill and enjoy the comfort. And we do that both in life physically and we do it spiritually. And you look at Mary and Joseph and they have this amazing moment where Jesus is born and, and these angels come and they're in, you know, it's, it's almost like a horror story a little bit because we would all like be devastated if we had to literally give birth to our child in a barn 
Like that would really bother most of us. But yet they look, probably look back on it and think, man, that was awesome. And then these, these shepherds come who were given this message from the angels and they come and they worship him. They're going to tell everybody. And it's this really cool night. And then maybe some time has passed and all of a sudden Mary and Joseph are just living. They're just, now they're just raising this kid. And we don't have any indication that angels are still coming to visit and giving them really cool messages. That people are just showing up randomly, doing these really cool things for Jesus until the wise men show up. And it would be so affirming that after so long, that even just one day that these wise men show up and they bring gifts and they start worshiping Jesus, even as a small child, because they completely understand who he is and how affirming that would be for Mary and Joseph to continue on in the calling that God placed on their life to raise this child in the ways of the Lord to be responsible for God's one and only son, to raise him up to become the man that's going to save the entire world of their sins. When I read this story, and I think about these wise men who for 500 years, 500 years had this information given to Daniel, then passed down, and then passed down again, and passed down again, and passed down again, how tempting would it have been for one of those, one generation of those wise men to say, you know what? Daniel was a long time ago. And there may have been some really cool stories about Daniel a long time ago, but nothing has really happened. We've been looking for this star for 200 years. Or we've been looking for it for 300 years. Or we've been looking for it for 400 years, and the star has not appeared yet. I think it's probably time that we just move on from this and we start focusing on some new things that might be a little more helpful. And thank God that there were people who grew up underneath the teachings of Daniel, who grew up underneath the teachings of those men, who grew up underneath the teaching of those men and those men and those men until at just the right time, 500 years later, there were wise men who were still looking for a star that they had been talking about for 500 years. And then when it finally appeared, believed it so much that they were willing to pack up everything and go and travel for two years and take some of the most expensive things that you can find in this world and go give it to this small child. Because they believed it that much. And when you think about, okay, well, what can we learn from them? What can we get from this passage? I think it's really important that as people, as we celebrate Christ and we celebrate Christmas and, <clears throat> excuse me, truly what this time of year means, that we take the opportunity to study the passages of Scripture, to study God's Word, and to not just take it as this thing of, well, that's old-fashioned. People's been talking about that for 2,000 years, and we've never seen anything like that. And my grandpa or grandma said this, and my mama and daddy said that, but I've never seen anything. And so we're just going to like, we're going to move on to something else that's better because the world's moving on and that's just old fashioned. But it's important for you and I to be faithful in listening to the word of God and believing it in our hearts and to wait expecting whether we get to see it or not. 
Because the truth is, is Daniel didn't get to see it. Daniel didn't get to see Jerusalem. He didn't get to see the temple. And he didn't get to see the Messiah. And the guys that he taught, they didn't get to see it either. And the guys that those guys taught, they didn't get to see it. And the next one, and the next one, and the next one. But thank God there were people who believed the messages and the words of God that they had received. And they believed it with their heart. And they were still expecting and still looking and still absolutely willing to go and seek out Jesus Christ. To see him with their own eyes and worship them with their own hearts. And we have to make a decision because like I said earlier, we kind of live in this time where it just, it just seems quiet. And we're just like, God, when are you going to move? When are you going to work? When are you going to speak? When are you going to break through and put a stop to everything that's going on in our world? Because we can see there's so many problems, there's so many things, and something needs to be done. And they've been talking about the second coming of Jesus for 2,000 years now. And you've got to make a decision in your life of whether or not you're going to abandon what you've been taught and what you've heard and move on to something else or whether or not you're going to cling to it. Because like these wise men, it took 500 years for them to finally see the star and to go after it themselves. You don't know how long it's going to take. We don't know how long God is going to delay. But we have to make a decision. Am I going to be faithful Am I going to receive the word of God? Am I going to teach it to my kids? Am I going to teach it to the people around me so that when the time does come that my kids or grandkids or great-grandkids or my descendants a hundred thousand years from now will be ready when Jesus comes? Thankfully, there were people who were faithful so that when the time came 500 years later, these wise men were ready to go and they were there. And they worship Jesus and they acknowledge him. And even today, every time we do a kid's Christmas play or we celebrate Christmas, we always think about the wise men. We always think about their gifts and the affirmation of who Jesus Christ was that hundreds of miles away, these men came to worship Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. What will we do? What will we accept as truth? What will we be willing to spend our entire lives waiting for, even if we don't get to see it with our own eyes? Do we believe it's important enough to make sure that our kids are ready to receive it, or our grandkids, or our great-grandkids? And that's a decision that we have to make. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word, your grace, your love, your mercy. Thank you for sending Jesus Christ to save us all from our sins. Lord, I pray for everyone in this room and everyone who may listen or watch later on. God, I pray that you would speak to our hearts and help us to devote ourselves to you and your teaching and to be expectant of the second coming of Christ. Lord, when you read, there were so many people who wanted Jesus to come. They wanted that Messiah to come. But when he actually came, only very few were ready. And only very few received him. So Lord, I pray that you would help us to be ready and expecting and ready to receive Christ when he appears again. Jesus, we love you today and we thank you. And we ask it all in your name. Amen.